It's November 20th, 2020, and this is Diz Podopolis, where we talk about Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and everything in between. A dream is a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep in dreams. Your dreams in Sunday, your rainbow will come shining through. No matter how your heart is screaming, if you keep on believing, the dreams that you wish will come true. I'm going to welcome you all to another episode of Diz Podopolis, and this is episode number 39. And we are super excited because we are, well, okay, I'm super excited because, okay, so I know people love Halloween. And I like Halloween, too. Uh, I think that right now it finally categorized to my favorite holiday because I just thought I had the best day yesterday. You did have the best day, Halloween, yesterday. You absolutely did. The only thing I don't like about um, October are the horror movies. Not a huge horror movie person. Uh, luckily, I actually avoided them all this year, so I'm super happy. Yeah, you but- wanted me to watch some. Yes, but I'm. I hope everybody out there uh, had a wonderful, safe uh, Halloween experience, and you're able to experience some part of Halloween. And tonight, we're going to bring you a little bit more of Halloween. All right, Fiona. I know you are just aching to tell everybody who you were for Halloween. She's actually wearing the mask <laughs> that we made uh, on you know, October 30th, because that's how we roll. All right, Fiona. Say hello I'm, to everybody out I'm there. I'm taking one. I'm taking my one one step ahead. She's pointing to her head. It's a yeah. pun. Uh, I, I I had a bit of a search cat. I ended up going to the search category of of, of head mask theme theme costumes. And when I strolled down the Muppet costumes and and see see the attachments of how they how they do them. And, and Fram, Fram, Family Beaker was my Halloween costume. Yes, yeah, so she was Beaker from the Muppets for Halloween. Uh, it was uh, quite an intricate performance of getting her head parts together because it is a special year. We had I made a mask for the bottom part, and then kind of it's a two-piece mask, and she can slip the top part on the top. And that we'll definitely have a picture for you guys on our um, website for you guys to take a look at her on the blog. All right, Brian, you want to say hi to everybody out there? Hi, thank you for joining us. Um... It is uh, officially Dia de los Muertos today, um, so it, we're recording this on the day after Halloween. Yay! It's the monarch butterfly season! Mm-hmm. <laughs> we still have a few heading through San Antonio, heading down to Mexico to their winter home, so it's always a beautiful sight when they come through. I love it. Do they head through Dallas much? Yeah, Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they go through Dallas. So um, I used to see them a little bit more in Abilene. When I was oh, okay. going to college there. Yeah. Interesting. Like, yeah, it was interesting because the, we would have like a bunch of the trees that would get filled with monarchs. It's beautiful. But we still see some here. Cool. Yeah. For some reason, San Antonio is right on that route to Mexico. They mm-hmm. just, we get that, the monarchs, we actually get a lot of butterflies coming through here. We also get a butterfly called. Um, Oh, I'm going to remember this. Uh, the snout. Snout-faced butterfly. 
Yes, the grotesque oh. name. It's actually a very beautiful butterfly. It has some of the similar calories of the monarchs, and on but on the outside of the wings, it's very dull, and on the inside, it's very bright and colorful. So, and there are millions and millions that come through San Antonio as well, along with the monarchs. It's quite a sight. Yeah, and I, I was gonna say, and I was pretty, and and I did have some. Uh, a, a pretty much a decent amount of, of adults n knew who I was, and 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 some kids were were. I thought some kids kids like like me that that I was kind of wearing the funny mask. Uh, yeah. So Fiona's talking about we had a trunk or tree at our church last night, and um, there were about six hundred children that attended the trunk or treat. We all you know, had um, spacing and everyone kept safe difference from everybody. It was conducted in a very, very large parking lot. So everyone was safe. But yes, um, a lot of kids loved uh, Fiona's beaker head. They were very fascinated by it. Some of the parents uh, fortunately knew who she was. So that made it super fun for everyone as beaker. So that was cool. Because I thought, I thought it, it was kind of the big year, the, 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 the Muppets kind of a kind of had the achievement oh they did or it was kind of a big year that the Muppets cut was kind of a big pop-up okay yeah especially for you yeah I, I yeah I would explain some of my negatives at first on Halloween well st still not not a fan of the good the gushy food food making on 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 the Food Network channels and some some spider webby decorations Back when I was a bit bit on the negative side of how when we had a big camp summer how how Halloween camp. Oh, it was actually in October. It was a special Girl oh, Scouts yeah. used to in San Antonio used to put on a really um, great Halloween camp at Camp Marisol, and our troop attended one year, and it was something I was trying with Fiona to see if she would go because she had a huge aversion to Halloween at the time. And uh, the weekend, okay. did, the weekend did not work out. And those are I, the times where you can never put a mask on me. Be, yeah, it was way beyond a mask. But you would not even participate in Halloween at all, and you'd hide in your room. But we've gotten past that. And at the camp, uh, your dad had to come and pick you up on Saturday. Yeah, and obviously in the family, I did not like the haunted mansion. No, uh-uh, you didn't like the Haunted Mansion, of course. But through this erosion, it was a time when when, when Adia, Adia was kind of ran out of plants to be for Halloween. It felt like the reason of our holidays have switched. She's less into Halloween, and, and I'm into Halloween. Well, yes, so she's getting older and phasing out of Halloween a bit, and um, you are right in the rhythm of Halloween and very interested in it right now, for sure. Yeah, and finally, finally me made a head that, that, that feels suitable to, 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 to wear all day. <laughs> because I think the former ones were kind of floppy and uh -huh. stuffy. And right, stuffy. yeah. So the top, the, actually the top of, of your beaker is not covered so your head has plenty of room to release all those heat heat waves from so you don't get too hot or too stuffy yeah, in the mask fun fact then the eyes are made of our tool wool but when but when like sunlight hits it it's very hard to see 
Well, <laughs> there you go. It sparkles a little bit because it is tool. So the eyes that I made for the Beaker costume, um, I uh, went to a Starbucks and asked them if I could have two of the domed lids, plastic lids for their uh, beverages. And they were willing to give me two of them for Fiona's Halloween costume. And she wanted to have the eyes where her eyes were and they needed to be white. So we got some tool and covered the eyes with a tool and hot glued it inside. And then for the pupils, we used a sticky foam and cut it out and stick of the foam so she can place her pupils wherever she wants to have them. And that way she could see out of the eyes. It's not perfect. It's not the perfect solution. You definitely need to, I have to walk her around or somebody has to walk her around because she can't see as well, obviously without that hindrance in front of her. So. Well, the purpose is to not make the head like too huge. Right. Like the right. It, like the size of my head. Yeah. Cause all the examples we saw were People would make the huge really tall and the mouth would be where their head was. And we actually have the mouth where her mouth is, the nose where her nose is, and the eyes where her eyes are. Um, speaking of heads. Uh-oh, here it comes. This, this tribute will be talking about uh, one, of, one of my all-time favorite Disney movies, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. But slice it up. Yes. To Ichabod. Yes, we will only be talking about the Ichabod Crane portion of the movie tonight, even though Fiona has brought her Mr. Toad stuffy with her for the show. Because some Ichabod, I saw an Ichabod plush, but it's too expensive. <laughs> yeah, they, when, when you finally got into it, they weren't making Ichabod plushes anymore, and the, the price had been hijacked on eBay and had taken off. So it was a little expensive. Yes. Yeah, but but obviously, Toad is with me. No, he wasn't a person that has been changed into a Toad by Witch Hazel. No. <laughs> but but Toad was technically my main star of the movie. Yes, yes. You were very interested in the Mr. Toad part of that movie when you were younger. And that's why you are Toad Girl on your Twitter and Instagram account. Even though... If Limited half people wouldn't get the reference. Yes, it's it might be a difficult reference if they didn't get the Disney connection. And yes, obviously other other grids rate for this film that 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 Toad was more out outgoing than Ichabod. Oh yes, well yeah, Toad's a very outgoing, rambunctious character. Um, Ichabod's not the shy in the corner wallflower at all. But mm. Mr. Toad's very eccentric, I'd say. Were you thinking about me dressing up as Beaker being filmed on National Geographic? Oh, I was just looking up one of the shows that you enjoyed watching with Beaker and Honeydew was a National Geographic brain games, brain games show. Yes, and they would come in with some fun little facts in the show. All right, Fiona, you ready for a question? Okay, so category, if this is... Getting a little too silly. Uh, what 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 type of head would would we like to steal from the parks? It prefaced that with tonight we're we'll be talking about the headless horseman, and he does not have a head. So if we were the headless horseman, what head would we borrow at the parks? And we're talking about the walk around characters, right? Yeah. And they're big fluffy heads, or not fluffy heads. 
So you have to pick one. Are you ready not, to go, Fiona? all characters have fur. <laughs> How about you guys go to get me inspired? All right. Ryan, are you ready? Do you have one? Yeah. All right. Um, I would do Jack Skellington. What? Yeah. Well, he already has a detachable head, so it'd be super easy. You know, Jack and kind of be, Oh, Jack Skellington. Yeah. yeah. You kind of cut up on the last head, last part. <laughs> yeah. I like Jack the Pumpkin King. That's awesome. So I think it would be I think it would be kind of fun and also kind of scary too. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it's a good one for Halloween. Yeah, his head is yeah, it's very proportionately large. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you could always you know do the pumpkin king part of and have the pumpkin on top. You know. There you go. Because because yeah, that interchangeable pumpkin head too. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, from the beginning of the movie. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. How about you, Colleen? Okay, I'm just going to be, like, super silly. <laughs> okay, no, no, okay. I'm not, not going to be super silly. Okay, I'm going to think about this for a second. All right. So let me see. Oh, there's so many. Oh, I know what I'm going to be. I want uh, Bianca from The Rescuers. That's Good. what I want to be. Because that's one of my favorite movies when I was a little kid. Bianca. And, well, I like that. They, they were walk-around characters, but they now walk around at... They they may have showed up at Tokyo Disneyland. Yeah, well, you know, they did it in the seventies when it was big and they were cute and fluffy and you know, I kinda miss them. I mean it's there's a weird time for Disney movies, but that was I thought was an enjoyable, fun movie to watch. I, I, I think I'll I'll go for a um kinda re, re, retired character. Okay. Retired appearance. as as I as I said, I I was thinking about for my next costume to be Kermit the Frog, okay. <laughs> as they had, as they had the Muppet shows with walk around appearances of the Muppet characters, I would borrow Kermit the Frog's retired head. There you go. That's awesome. Uh oh. Do I have to make Kermit the Frog's head? I, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> planning to do a mask of him. Okay. I'm just okay. trying to do like newspaper hat. All right. Cause I was getting worried there. That's a hard one. Yeah. Are we yeah, good? But, uh, oh, I kind of I like being, being, I kind of like dealing with the frog characters. You do. You like amphibians. They're fine. Yeah. They're good. Well, those are, it, Kermit's a good character. He's a good personality. He's great. And there, that was, that was simple. That, that, it wrap, was. that wraps it up. It does. And that wrap ups our opening. And now we are going to talk about our main topic of the evening, the adventures of Ichabod Crane. Now it's time to head way out west for a little patch of heaven. I know a place pretty as pie I the river bend hits up with the end of the sky left in Nebraska and over a crest on a little patch of heaven way out west everything's green know what I mean all right so tonight on Dispodopolis we are talking about the part of the movie of the adventures of 
Ichabod and Mr. Toad, and we're talking about the story of Ichabod Crane, and that comes from the story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, that was originally written by Washington Irving. Odds, bodkins, gadzooks. Look at that old spook of spooks. Who's that coming down the street? Are they shovels or are they feet? Mean and lanky, skin and bone, with clothes a scarecrow would hate to own. Yet he has a certain air. Debonair and devil may care. It's the new schoolmaster. What's his name? Ichabod. Ichabod Crane. Ichabod, what a name. Kind of odd. But nice just the same. Funny pen, funny frame. Ichabod, Ichabod Crane. Ichabod, maybe quaint. Maybe odd and maybe he ain't. Anyway, there's no complaint from Ichabod, Ichabod Crane. Though the arrival of the pedagogue gave rise to mixed emotions, the townspeople all agreed they'd never seen anyone like Ichabod, Ichabod Crane. And this book was actually written uh, while he was living in England. He is an American. He was born here. He's considered one of the first American novelists, which is funny to me because he wrote most of his stuff while he was living in Europe. But uh, he, yeah, he was actually living in Europe at the time, try, in England, actually, trying to help his siblings establish a business over there. And I think that's something that Americans don't realize. Like, we've always had this bond with Britain. And, and this is even during the War of 1812. <laughs> if you believe that. So there's Americans in England running businesses during the War of 1812. <laughs> Winning. So he's going over there in 1815 to help his brothers. It fails, by the way. The whole business fails. Um, he, <laughs> which to me is spoiler like, alert. <laughs> sometimes you just can't help your brothers. <laughs> Truth bomb. <laughs> but Washington Irving was born here. He's born in 1783. Yes, he is named after George Washington, <laughs> and that happened a lot. Ryan and I even have relatives named George Washington. George Washington Flint for one of them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I know, I know. I think we even have an Andrew Jackson, and <laughs> we just got a ton of them all down there in that that time period. It was a very popular mm. thing to do, but it cracks me up. But he actually did go to the inauguration of George Washington in 1789. So he was just a wee little guy. So he's around six years old at that time. He's the youngest of, an, of 11 children. God bless his mom. And he studied law and passed the bar in 1806. He hated law. He hated studying and decided he wanted to be a writer. So in 1809, he uh, wrote the history of New York from the beginning of the world to the end of the Dutch dynasty satirical work so it and that's kind of what all his works are so he's never too crazy serious which is nice because if you look at that you're thinking oh my gosh history lesson no thank you but <laughs> he was always very fun with his history 
And even reading, I don't know how many of you out there have read The Legend of Sleepy Hollow in the original language. It's a lot of fun. It really is. And and I even had to look up a word or two. And sometimes I don't think a, it's not worth reading a book unless I have to look up a word in a dictionary. That's my funnest thing to do. And, and it's usually books that are, you know, because so this book was written 200 years ago. So there's just going to be vernacular that they were using back there in terms they were using that we're just, we don't use anymore that much. And I think it's fun to, to see what they used to call things. A lot of them are pronouns and are uh, nouns, proper nouns even. And it's just a lot of fun. Now, while he's in um, in England, like I said, he, he wrote the book that included The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, and it also included the story of Rip Van Winkle. It was the sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon, gentleman, and he loved using other people's names all the time, and he would make up these names for these titles, and, and these people would be the narrators telling these stories. Now, the idea of the Headless Horseman isn't was not a new idea when he wrote about it. And I, I think he he loved to borrow ideas and learn about things. Like he was a history teller, but in a satirical way. And he also he also loved the superstitious superstitions and all the different tales that people would tell in the States and over in Europe. And that's where he got some of his ideas. And I don't know how many of you out there saw the version, uh, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, that was with Johnny Depp. But mm -hmm. that's, that, I think it's rated R. So. Oh, is it? Is it rated R? Yeah. I, I was kind of surprised. I, I It is gory. And it's, but I didn't think it was. Well, was it, was it, was it, was there mainly a bunch of tameable parts? Yeah, it's rated R, which I was a little bit surprised because it's just for the violence, obviously. Oh, that that's it? Would be my guess. It is a little gory, but it's, I don't know. Interesting. That's an interesting. Yeah, um, it, I don't know. There's a couple of scenes that are very disturbing, especially um, when they're looking into his past and how he came to be the way that he is. And those are very disturbing scenes, but a lot of, um, what you see with the headless horseman and those scenes, I think it's would be predictable. Like people lose their heads, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I yeah. So I was really kind of surprised not, looking back at it. It's not terribly scary though. I mean, like by most horror movie standards, does that make sense? Yeah, and I'm wondering if it would get the same rating today because this was in 1999. True. Maybe that's it. Maybe we've just become even more desensitized. <laughs> <laughs> I know how sad I was at. Oh, well. Yeah. Dad mentioned that there was a wit while we were watching Frankie Lee, there was a windmill scene in this film, the Sleepy Hollow film. Oh, so, okay, so we're watching Frankie. There's a windmill scene in, in Ichabod Tales? Yeah. Gotcha. And yeah, and Frankie Weenie, Frank and Weenie had a. Oh, it was also Dutch, too. And. The whole story is about the Dutch settlers in, in northern New York. Yeah. There's a lot of ties, isn't there? Yeah, so we might we might have some we might mention some other references to the Headless Horseman and other Disney culture. Yeah, because uh, New York used to be called New Amsterdam because of all the Dutch influences and all the people that immigrated here from that area. And yeah, uh, where did New Holland come from? Well, Holland is is a city. Oh, Amsterdam's a city in Holland. So that's that's why um, Tim Burton used in Frank like and Weenie, he used New Holland. It's like it was it was hard to think it was a real 
it was a real silly because because it kind of signed probably in Hollywood. Oh, the sign on the side of the hill looked like the Hollywood sign yeah. in the Frankenweenie. Yeah, that was really cute how they did that. Now, the story of the Headless Horseman that we see in the Legends of Sleepy Hollow, that one is based off of uh, one of the battles from 1776 during the Revolutionary War. And that's why I brought up the 1999 movie, because they really go into it being uh, an actual Hessian soldier who was decapitated by a cannonball during the Battle of White Plains around Halloween 1776. So that's kind of the story background of, of what happened. And it, it's interesting, too, because I was diving into this, and uh, we don't, we're kind of really separated from that time and we in those wars. And when he wrote that book, there would have still been people alive who had fought in those wars that were telling stories from the Revolutionary War. So that's where you kind of, you get a lot of superstitious, superstitions coming out and, you know, goes haunting the fields and, you know, the same thing that you get with the Civil War. So we understand a little more from the Civil War because those stories are spoken of a lot or, or told to us a lot, but not so much about the Revolutionary War. But back then, that would have been what they were focusing on. Now, the reason that they think Irving used Sleepy Hollow, which uh, I don't know how many of you guys have been to, to New York, and Terrytown is uh, a railroad trip or a uh, train trip outside of New York, at, you know, upstate New York a little bit. It's really not that far away from the big city, but it is... Oh boy, it's just night and day. It's it's a nice, smaller suburban town. Lots and lots of trees. It's really really beautiful. Uh, there, we, uh, my husband and I went there. Uh, one, I want to say it was like November, so it was nice and cool, in Terrytown. And I think they've even adopted the name of Sleepy Hollow in the town because everyone associates it with the town. But Sleepy Hollow would have actually been a little a settlement a little further up, out of Terrytown. It probably does if it ever existed, it doesn't exist now because a lot of those little towns kind of conglomerated into the bigger towns. Like Terrytown was a little bit bigger, so it would have been swallowed up by that. But uh, he spent time there as a teenager uh, to escape the yellow fever outbreak that was going in New York. So basically he was quarantined <laughs> to Terrytown in that area to, to get away from getting yellow fever. And that's what they did a lot. I know, like, I know they would have huge breakouts in Philadelphia during the summer. So a lot of people would have two residencies or go stay with relatives and figure that all out back then. It happened here in Texas, too, um, like in Galveston and oh, over yeah. in New Orleans all the time. Yellow fever broke out all of it. Florida. It's very common. Oh, yeah. Mosquitoes are awful. Yeah, we were, I think we're like one of the first countries to kind of get yellow fever under control. So it was talking about he spent a lot of his adult time in Europe. He was actually an ambassador to Spain twice. I, I don't, I didn't dig that deep. So I don't really know what his credentials are for being an ambassador <laughs> to Spain. I think people really liked him. Honestly, I think uh, people liked his writings. They enjoyed. He seemed to be a pretty clever fellow. So he was you know, granted those types of things. He wrote history books on Christopher Columbus, the conquest of Granada, the tales of Alhambra. He really enjoyed getting to know the culture and getting to know their history and, and writing those books in that area. 
After his second stint as a, the Spanish ambassador, he moved back to the States, back to New York for good. And in 1832, uh, he came back and kind of started to check out the Western frontier. So he would go into the, the Western fringes of the area. He wrote a book of a tour on the prairies. Uh, he wrote a book on Astoria. Uh, which was about uh, John Jacob Astor's fur company. He was really fascinated about what was going on out there. And it was followed by the adventures of Captain Bonneville. So he's really interested in, in people and their discoveries and their struggles and, and seeing how they lived and sharing that with the rest. After that point, um, after he uh, decided to retire to the Hudson Valley, which is uh, near, near Terrytown, he uh, bought this estate called Sunnyside. It's very, what would you say? It was, um, it's a very comfortable estate, but we would look at it. It's probably 1,600 square feet. You know, you, it's not a state like we think nowadays. It's a quaint residence that he would invite a lot of writers, artists, politicians of the era to come and spend some time with him. He um, spent the rest of his life there. Uh, he was never married. He was engaged to a girl uh, when he was quite young, and she died of consumption, and he just really never got over it. He just decided that just wasn't for him, and he didn't want to be that close to someone again and lose them. And you can still go to Sunnyside today. I've actually been there. It's beautiful. It's a picturesque estate. It's nestled right on the Hudson Riverbank. You can see straight across the Hudson. Probably looks really close to what it did when he lived there, other than we have electricity. <laughs> so, you know, there's lights on at the at nighttime, but a lot of the trees are still there. That is pretty, pretty well intact. We toured the home. It's a great place to, to just get out of the, the city for sure. Uh, what, what I thought was the interesting thing is one of his big things he was about was uh, protecting writers from copyright infringements. So he really uh, stood up for people that were looking to protect their works and making sure uh, they were compensated financially for what they had created. Uh, I'm sure that was a big problem back then. Uh, honestly, I don't, very, very few people become rich writing a book. It, you know, few and far between. So, you know, if you do create something that's amazing, then you really want to be able to capitalize on it and save, be able to support yourself doing that. What I find is fascinating, there's two terms that he coined him, himself or brought kind of, not coined himself, so one he coined himself and another one um, became associated with New York, which I thought was odd, but it's something that was, you know, used a lot during that time period. So one was Knickerbocker. I think we, yeah, the Knicks. So that, that term that they use for the basketball team, the New York Knicks, is based off his term, the Knickerbockers, which was a pant that the Dutch people used to wear, wore, used to wear that would come, you know, it's, you've seen them where the baseball players wear them. So they have that band like right below their knee. Those are Knickerbockers. So because he coined that phrase in a book that he wrote, <laughs> uh, he got a basketball team named after his phrase. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. 
That's awfully clever. And then another thing that he brought to this, the other term he brought to the States was Gotham. And, you know, we've heard it before. It's dark and, um, you know, a word. I think Edgar Allan Poe, I think, uses that word to the nth degree in American literature with his Gotham works of writing literature, for sure. His writings, obviously, were a little bit later. But also coming to the trivia of stories like Frankenstein and Dr. Jekyll. Yeah, absolutely. So Edgar Allan Poe was about 20 years after The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and, you know, really started capitalizing on that Gotham, the the mystery behind death, the loss, the mourning, that sort of a thing. I think uh, Washington Irving used it more in a humor humorous style than most of the, the writers did. But what I thought was fascinating to me is the contemporary works of art during the time of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow were Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and Polydri's uh, Pal- Pal- The Vampire. So those would have come out just a year or two before his works. And those are true Gothic genre books, but they really influenced and changed literature going forward. Now, oh, and then you, I think you were talking about like Bram Stoker's Dr- Dracula. Uh, yeah, Did I, you mention that one? Well, I mentioned Dr. Dr. Jekyll. But, <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, Dra- Dracula, Dracula, I think that's a bit more, more fonder. Right, that actually came out in 1897. And a lot of these, they were, the only reason we know about a lot of these works is, up to this point, is because of Hollywood picking them up and making such dramatic early horror movies with them. 1930s horror movies. Yep. They really enjoyed that stuff. Uh, okay. So now now for my experience with 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 the movie Down to Ichabod. Oh, okay. Oh, one one little quick little thing. Actually, he um I think I said like the 1832 is when he came back to the states, but he actually went back to Spain in 18 from 1842 to 1846. And then he retired in the Hudson Valley um, area after that. So in 18, like 1846 or 1847. And then one other quick thing is the Gothic phrase actually comes from the German medieval area where a lot of these stories originally took place. So like the Mary, the Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and the Vampire, those are all stories when they visited those areas of of Germany, and you got to understand, Germany was a lot bigger than it is now, and there was a lot of little principalities back then. So, you know, Transylvania and all those areas that you think of were once part of Germany during that time. All right, Fiona. So that's my history level, history, history level, history lesson. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. a good history lesson. I'm Washington Irving. I just. Always, I'm just always so fascinated when I start reading about these things and seeing how they all tie and relate. And I, I, I'm always sad because you don't get that so much in history class. Like you get these facts and then you go, oh, but what's really happening is this and this and this are all going on at the same time, you know? So it's so nice to put it in perspective. All right. Yay, Ichabod Crane. <laughs> yeah, so, so tech. Secondly, how I started out with this, uh, knowing that this movie exists. So, so I saw Grand, Grand, Grandpa ha- 
So I actually saw a grand grandpa having this movie and just looking at the killers, just like, uh, I'm not in the mood of seeing that movie. Oh, because when you looked at the DVD cover it looked, of it, it, it was looks, a little intimidating. It it's scary. It can be, yeah. But I mean, it's a cartoon, so how will it hurt you? Yeah, but, there but, you go. Good, re- I mean, good rationale. I mean, those were like the times when I watched Snow White and Woo that I kept winning for that movie. Mm-hmm. Snow White can be intense when you're small, for sure. Yeah, but when they started out the movie, and, and yes, obviously the movie starts out with Mr. Toad, and you're all like, uh, this doesn't feel like a Halloween movie. No, it doesn't. The first part, definitely. And that's that's why we're not talking about Mr. Toes tonight. We'll talk about that another night. Yeah. But the, the Ichabod Crane is definitely a great short for Halloween time. Yeah, it's like for Watchmen of of Mr. Mr. Toad. Uh, oh, Mr. Oh, Mr. Toad looks, looks all cute looking. I, I wonder if he could be... My, I... I I thought he looked. I thought he he looks more of an edgy style style than than Jiminy Cricket. Oh, uh, and like or um, wait. I do have feelings that that Miss Mister Rat looks looks like Basil Baker Street. Oh yeah, definitely influenced later animation for sure. <laughs> it's like it's like when I fall in love with Toad. Uh, um, somewhere a little like, uh, Mr. Toad feels like he looks similar to Jiminy Cricket. Mr. Toad? <laughs> that's, oh that's what some people were all like. Oh, I've never heard that one before. But, but yeah, for, 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 a, for Ichabod, uh, about, about all about, all about the movie. For, or it's, and it's like when, oh, for how, how, how we, you would think people, people to dress up Mr. Toad, but no, they would do Ichabod and the Hell of Horseman for this film. Oh, for Halloween? Yes, yeah. we've seen um, a couple of kids dressed up as the Headless Horseman. So this movie opens up in a library in a home, and we get the um, amazing voice acting of Bing Crosby in this. I think uh, he, I don't know, like he just, he makes this movie. He makes every movie he's in. He's just amazing. <laughs> I love his voice. It's so calming. I forgot to say about Mr. Toad. Oh, more about Mr. Toad. Yeah, and, and yes, for, for me, Mr. Toad is a county character. Er, okay, she's holding up the book of Mr. Toad. Technically, it was, is, I didn't know how, how hard it was to find merch, merch of him, for instance, for instance, I I do have the tall gold golden book from 1940. Was it 1949? Yeah, it's from 1949. Whenever the movie it? came out. Oh yeah, it's an old book. Seen better days. But but on with the story. On with the story. Okay, so we're talking about <laughs> Bing Crosby, and he is the narrator slash singer slash voices for all the characters in this movie. Because the truth to Ichabod, he can sing. He can, yes. That is one of the many talents of Ichabod Crane. Even though he's a very awkward-looking man. So if anybody has ever heard a Christmas song, then you've heard a Bing Crosby Crispy song. (laughs) So he does the famous White Christmas. Uh, He was in the movie. He did the Holiday Inn. He did the Bells of St. Mary. Um, I think, I don't know. Did you watch... 
I don't know if it was up where you were, Ryan, but where I was, they used to show the Bing Crosby and Bob Hope movies all the time when I was a kid. Mm hmm Yeah. The roads to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, like at Christmas time, White Christmas. Uh-huh. That was always a big one that they would show on TV. Yes, yeah. It, it's interesting because it has beautiful, beautiful songs and, and beautiful music, but it is not the happiest story. Oh, which one? The White Christmas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it, it ends well, so, you know, there there is some melodrama. It, yeah, there were some parts where I, did, I didn't get it was meant to be a sad movie. But, I mean, it, it's a bit it's a bit more more understanding for adults. Mm-hmm. I do love the opening of it, though, when they're, was it, it's the end of the war, so they're going home and putting on the show. Is it, That's the show where they, they pick up the two girls at the cabaret, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. do the song, Sister, Sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And then that's awkwardly awesome. are un- uncomfortable let, let the boys replace them. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. They sing the song for them dressed up like the girls. Cause it's yeah, they lip sync. Yeah. They yeah. do like a drag performance. Yeah, it's awesome. Of it. It's funny. It is the best. Yeah, that one cracks me up. So there are two other voices involved in this movie. They're very small. So you have uh, Pinto Colvig as Ichabod Crane's scream. Hilda. <laughs> Woo! Which I think is funny. And he's the voice of? Uh, well... Goofy. Originally, Goof, Goofy, and Pluto. Goofy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we understand that that crazy scream of Goofy's. He's been quite good at it. And then Clarence Nash is Ichabod's horse. And everyone knows him as Donald Duck. So funny. Yeah. So technically, and yeah, technically, Bing Crosby is just he just voiced he just voiced the talking characters. Every talking character. Yeah, so he's singing all the songs and narrating the whole thing. Any of the special effects uh, sounds are done by others. Two others. So this is the 11th animated feature film that Disney has released. Oh, yeah. It was released in 1999. It's really old. It's really old. <laughs> Barely anyone knows it. No, I think a lot of people know it because they... Well, yeah. Well, because I remember watching it on the, the Sunday night Disney show. They would definitely show the Ichabod Crane for the Halloween special. Oh, yeah. They bring this one out. If, if not the full, at least clips of it. Definitely the forest scene at the end, the chase scene. Oh, my gosh. I was so terrified of that when I was a little mm-hmm. kid. <gasps> that pumpkin coming flying and you're oh, just yeah. hoping Ichabod Crane makes it. And then they have the Headless Horseman in the parades at, at Halloween time now, too. So, uh, yeah. So he's still, I mean, they, they, they keep that Headless Horseman around. Yeah. So the music... Uh, was written by Don Ray and Jean DePaul. And Don Ray and Jean DePaul, Jean DePaul um, have an interesting background. They wrote a lot of the music for the Andrews Sisters. Mm, I like the Andrews Sisters. Yeah, they're fun. And you can hear that music in Captain America. Because mm-hmm. you have that ni- those 1940 moments in those, in those yeah. movies. What was that song? The, the, the bounce-up song? The boogie-woogie-doo-the-boy for company. Boogie-woogie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They're very, very quintessential 1940s. Yeah, yeah they, they kind of summarize like all the music from the war periods to... And also, uh, 
Jean DePaul, not Don Ray, but Jean DePaul uh, wrote uh, Twas Breeling from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, no, both of them wrote Twas Breeling from Alice in Wonderland. And only DePaul wrote music for So Dear to My Heart, which I think was one of Walt's favorites. Yeah, and where they kept the barn and, 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 and tree setting. Mm-hmm. I think he even, he made, that's like the granny's cabin is the little miniature that he made that you can see. One of the museums, is it, is the museum in, in Florida or is it the one in um, San, San Francisco that has the miniature of? I believe it's Florida. Is at the Little History Museum they have in Hollywood Studios. It used to be called One Man's Dream, but it's not anymore. I think it's like Walt Disney Presents at this point. So pretty much all of the nine old men worked on this feature film. And the, the only one that's not credited is Les Clark. So Milk Call, Mark Davis, Frank Thomas, Eric Lawson, Ollie Johnston, Willie Reitherman, Lord Kimball, and Johnny Lonsberry, Lonsberry all worked on this. So obviously this was a top priority in the animation department for sure. And they even had the... The directing animators were Frank Thomas, Ollie Johnston, Milk Call, Ward Kimball, Wolfgang Reitherman, and John Lewisberry. So they're all credited with this, and they all had big parts in, in working on this for sure. The character animators were Mark Davis, Fred Moore, John Sibley, Hale, Hal Ombro, Harvey Toombs. Um, yeah, if you've heard Harvey Toombs before, there's a reason for that. Go check your graveyard at the, at the Haunted Mansion. Hal King, Hugh Frazier, Don Lusk, so they all had an integral role in this. Even Ub Iwerks was involved in this, and the, they call it the special processes or you know the special effects for the movie. And what I thought was fascinating is Mary Blair is also integral, an integral part of this, and you can see that in the colorings and the stylings of the town of Sleepy Hollow. Which I mentioned, oh, the mm -hmm. backgrounds just feel like they, they were perfectly painted, but but trimmed up with a bunch of strokes, wood strokes. Wood strokes? Yeah. Color strokes? Okay. Yeah, and Claude Coates, Don DeGrady, and John Hench were involved in this. So pretty much anybody who was anybody at Disney was involved in this production. Heavily involved. Right, and the studios were having a hard time financially at this point, and that's why you kind of have um, short, like the shorter films here during this time period. Even like Dumbo was pretty short; it wasn't a long film. It was it was feature length, but you know, and it was it was a pretty short one. So like, and these ones were definitely kind of too films that could have been longer but they um just for different purposes had to keep them short i mean they just didn't have a lot of money oh yeah animation is so intense if, if you just think about how many drawings have to be done how many and then you have to ink the drawings so the girls would have to redraw mm -hmm. the images and then they'd have to color the cells it's a very intense process and very time consuming i you know i can understand that it was coming out of the. It was coming out of World War Two, mm -hmm. also in the studio, like just all of Hollywood. Just, just the, there was, you know, there was a lot of financial troubles with many different studios, and especially the Disney studios. Right. It was a time. Point. Yeah, they had to kind of start to reinvent themselves and mm -hmm. look at 
okay, what is our profit going to be? So how much can we really put into this? And what can we the, get the most out of the littlest that we do? How, and, ma how, many, how many pictures that does one girl need to eat at, at, at the time? Or how much time would one, would one person ink everything? Oh, no, they'd have a whole crew of people. Exactly. Yeah. And that's my <laughs> life right now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Fiona's working on an animation for her class and really understanding the amount of time that goes into it. Because uh, with Fiona, she hand draws each um, illustration. Then we scan them in. And then she redraws them in Illustrator and then inks them in Illustrator and then puts them into the program that creates the animation for her. It's a so bit she... of a boring process. So <laughs> it is. You have to be dedicated <laughs> to get it done for sure. But this was also the time where they did Make My Music, right? What were some of the other ones? Um, Fun and Fancy Free. Fun and Fancy Free. Melody Time. Uh-huh. That's right. I know them all. And then they also did Saludo, Saludo Amigos. And Three Cuddlers. And Three Cuddlers. So all of those movies were kind of follow, were before the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, but in the same genre where they had the shorts and they would put them together with the different stories because it, it was an easier process to do. So the adventures of Ichabod Crane. All right, Fiona. So we're starting in Terrytown Village. And yeah, as as my dad as my dad mainly mainly watch, watch this film, and yes, he turned on the film a couple of days ago. Mm -hmm. He had beast thoughts for it. Oh, oh, because of Ichabod Crane's appearance. Well, yeah, well, technically, for, for Brom Bones, oh, he thinks it was like it was like the early footage of Gaston. Yeah, you could definitely see Brom Bones is definitely a Gaston. Gaston type yeah. character. He's and definitely when, portrayed that way. Yeah, when Ichabod locks in with a book in the nose and everyone's all confused on, on what on earth is he. Yes, yes. This is this is really a cute song that they've written. And it really is very close to the book. And they use a lot of the language from the book to describe Ichabod Crane in that, in that story. My favorite line is, are those shovels or are they feet? <laughs> shovels because uh, they're so long yeah his feet are so long and and they're also introducing how he's a very superstitious person like he's turning the black cat around so it doesn't walk in front of him and he's walking around the ladder instead of his, walking under the ladder and his link mat matches the width of a scarecrow yes he's very scarecrow-esque definitely so yeah a, a person who who is kind of a combination in in birth and, and not yeah and when he's crane that's the phrase where he he can be shaped like a bird a bird in person <laughs> it was something along those lines yeah yeah brown bones is an interesting character because he is definitely mm -hmm. the bully going on in the yes. town He's the mischief maker. I'm not sure if he does anything. And Katrina, who's the love interest of both of them, um, doesn't seem to be very interested in him in the beginning. It's a little hard to tell where she stands because she's, she's obviously the one in control of the situation because 
you soon learn she's the one that has the money. She's the one that has the looks. She's the one with, with, she doesn't need anybody kind of a thing to give her what she wants. So she gets to choose in this situation. One of our top obscure females that are not princesses. Oh, Katrina? Yeah. Yeah. Why am I looking at Captain Hook? Not that. <laughs> yeah, when we were at the museum, because I want to look at some art to describe later on. Oh, you're looking at art? Storyboard art? Yeah, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to that later on. Okay. It's interesting, though, because it seems to be all the, the women are kind of falling over themselves over this Ichabod Crane, which is interesting because he doesn't really have a whole lot to off- offer other than um, he's book smart and he's a good singer. He appears he's, to be a good dancer, which he, is nice. He's a, he's a pedagogue who's always, who's always checking for food around the classroom. Mm-hmm. He's the teacher. So that's one of the words we learned for teacher in this movie. And he's not, a, it's kind of nice because there's a little bit of a tiny little sinister side to Ichabod Crane. He's not an altruistic creature. He's not being a schoolmaster to, to you know, change uh, the world. He's not that type at all. <laughs> um, yes, this is one of the strangles and, and he shares with Washington Irving. He never studies. He never studies. Well, he studied a lot. Well, yeah. To but, get there. But he never, he never, he never shares his studying. Right, right. It's really funny because he's always looking for his next meal. He's a big eater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he does think with his stomach a lot, huh? <laughs> yeah, where where his best next meal is coming from? Because it's it's despite his 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 appearance, he he he's he's got to play it play the time. To not have an empty stomach. He has a high metabolism. High metabolism. <laughs> I think it's it's interesting too because he thinks he's gonna come to the town and um, kind of awaken the culture of the town by creating a choir, which I think is interesting. So and yeah, he's definitely in the choir, and he definitely thinks he is the best singer. And and here comes some thoughts where where uh, when when you're passing on the girl on on who thinks is like the real villain oh who's the that's a hard call like i don't know like okay ryan who is like the better man ichabod crane or brom bones because they're both out for her money and position and looks i I mean i don't i I don't know if you have a better you know a spectacular choice here no I kind of feel for <laughs> Katrina, like, eh. Yeah. Like, is there an option C? <laughs> is there another town close by? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, I mean. Yeah, because Brombo's, I don't see a whole lot happening upstairs in the noggin area. <laughs> the, the one thing I guess you could, with Brom, is hopefully have, like, some sense of security, probably. Yeah, physical security. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of that. Sometimes that's important. So, uh huh. Yeah, not not a big. I kind of. I mean, I don't think he. I don't ever think he did anything to really, um, put her in a threatening position that I could see. Could you? I don't know. No, 
I mean, he seemed to be pretty. I mean, the only time is when he whisks her away from Ichabod Crane on the back of his horse because he's trying to. There, there's, there's a lot of back and forth, physically, physical elements between Brombones and Ichabod Crane. And it seems like the more Brombones tries to physically overtake Ichabod Crane, the more he just like injures or insults himself. Mm-hmm. Which I think is just the funnest thing in the whole wide world. Yeah, it's kind of fun watching him get, you know, Brom Bums hurt himself, basically. Yeah, he falls down it's a like, cellar. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very, it's very slapstick. It is, it is. And um, I love the dancing scene. So later on, you know, they're, both of the, the men are fighting over Katrina. Like, you'll see at the picnic, you'll see just in the city, like Ichabod Crane's helping her carry packages and then Brom Bones overtakes the situation and Ichabod kind of falls in the mud. But then you see them later on and Brom Bones is, is the one that's kind of getting befuddled and slapsticking accidentally himself kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. And then um, you see Ichabod Crane gets an invitation to a party at Katrina's house. It's kind of, the whole town's pretty much invited to this party that they're having. And you kind of see Ichabod Crane shine at this with his amazing dancing. I mean, that's some really good animation in this scene with the dancing and, and the other woman with the shorter, like the hair cut at the chin level, uh, giggling the whole time. Oh, my Lord, that woman is amazing. Just the giggling. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like this scene. It, it always makes me smile. Yeah, but I've, obviously the truth that Ichabod is all he, all he wants is, it, it, it is like the, the, real, the, real, the real money of, of shaming to his appearance. Right, so he's he's looking for an easy way to, to have money, and an easy way would be to to marry Katrina and marry into her money, and then he wouldn't have to work as hard. No matter how long he stays in the town. Right, you don't make much money as a school teacher, or schoolmaster at all. It's no, I I mean you know, and I don't think I don't think it didn't really seem like Brown Bones was after her her, her money. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, he might come from some money himself. It's never really discussed. I mean, if that's the case, you know, and it's all just assumption, you know, then it would be Brom Bones. You know, I don't think you should be after somebody for their money. No, I think that's one of the parts about Ichabod Crane that I'm kind of disappointed in. I mean, you're like, well, I mean, she is nice to look at and... The only reason to like go after is her money. I mean, it'd be nice to get to know somebody too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sit down, have a chat, you know, that sort of a thing. When they're at their annual Halloween romp and the, you know, people have kind of tired themselves out from the dancing and they've over consumption of food and wine and beer and stuff. They start to tell um, scary, scary ghost stories and... I think this is just lovely, just absolutely, lo- absolutely lovely. And Brom Bones like knows that Ichabod Crane is superstitious and has a lot of fears of, you know, ghosts well, and goblins. Well, in the books, he he can he can usually he can usually tell stories to anyone, but ends up scaring himself of 
of the beings that come to life in the forest. Right, right. Like there's a lot of head play going on like psychologically with Ichabod Crane, right? He's really scaring, scaring, almost scaring himself over things that don't exist. So, but Brom Bones tells the story of, you know, of the headless horseman and, and very dramatic that the whole scene is really shadowy and really focused on like it's you know, the like, simplicity oh, this, of the this, fire. This is my boost time that I'm going Katrina. Yeah, right. He's going for it. And it ends with him smashing a pumpkin in the fireplace and telling Ichabod Crane that he needs to get across the bridge and then you're, then you're home safe from the Headless Horseman. And I think this is, um, I love, absolutely love this scene in the forest where Ichabod Crane's like slowly going through and he starts to hear things that don't exist and there's whistling through the hollows. There's uh, the murky glen howling wind and rustling leaves and you see the lightning bugs are eyes and the crickets are calling his name and the frogs are calling the headless horseman which and, i would not notice that <laughs> and the owls are hooing and there's spider webs nobody likes spider webs like that's just the worst see, walking yeah, into a spider web yeah and yeah even whatever can still be crawling on you. Yes. Oh, I hate spiderwebs. And then you have mm. the, your Edgar Allan Poe movie with the the crows crying. Beware! Beware! <laughs> you'll die. You'll die. <laughs> and of course, he tumbles into a cemetery. Of course. Of course, he does. <laughs> and I love how his, his this poor horse. Oh my gosh, that he's riding. This horse is on its last. This leg. is kind of a joke on showing off that he's he's all poor. Because the horse like barely has hair, he's he's just lazy. And he's just tired. He's old. <laughs> and I love how the horse falls asleep in the cemetery. Yeah. Like he thinks he's Ichabod Crane thinks he's getting away, and the horse is completely asleep. <laughs> and then the the pussy wheels are blow or your sound like um, approaching galloping as they're hitting well, each other. Cat cattails. Oh, the cattails. Yeah. It comes to a head just when he thinks that. He's solved the riddle. He understands everything is in his head. Nothing is really going on. But what happens? Technically, and fought, fought the hell's horseman. Up if he's, he's real. He's real. <laughs> Here comes the hell's horseman. Woo! But it would, be, it would be like, oh, what was the galloping, the cattails, whore, the hell's horseman himself. And then we see the swiping of the sword. And, 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 and. Yeah, and yeah, as like up, and and yeah, with Ichabod keep doing the the little the little beaker tucking head. Oh, he's yeah, tucking his head in. Yes, so he doesn't lose his head. Yes, and he's you know he's going beelining it for the wood wood uh, wooden covered bridge because that's the story that Brom Bones told. So he thinks, oh, I just need to get across the bridge and all will be well. And at one point he's heading straight for the bridge and the next point he's not. <laughs> he's riding away from the bridge. That that has to be one of those like subliminal nightmares that you, yeah. you're living. But, but I mean, yeah, that 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 voice, that, that voice voice as as a nightmare almost like almost like the captain nemo voice at, at the end of twilight's oh yeah 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 the deep boom voice yeah, 
the deep blue voice what your next travels will be yes yes and um, one of the best scenes of this too is is where they're chasing around the tree mm-hmm it's fun who's chasing who yeah and <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's based on the, a, a a picture i bought at the parks where he ends up going on the hell's horseman's horse yeah that's just yes it's just so clever <laughs> and then he's on the wrong horse and he looks back and realizes he's on the wrong horse because his horse is behind him. Because it, it, it well, it's, I thought it secondly meant to be a mood of, of like, oh, oh, some Ro-Run ro and Y.E. Coyote animations of who's hanging to where. Yes, it's, it's definitely a lot of slapstick, a lot of silly, a lot of well, things it's, not it's happening not, the way you're not, supposed to. It's not scary. <laughs> no, when you were little and you watched this, was it scary? Mm, attach attach bit. Oh, I was terrified. Were you terrified, Ryan, or were you just, or just me? <laughs> no, when I was very little, I mean that. Yeah, when I was, I thought the headless horseman was quite terrifying. Yeah, I was very, very scared about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, but by the time I got to like, I don't know, middle school, high school, I mean, it wasn't scary, but like, oh, you're yeah. a little kid, I mean, yeah, that was it was quite terrifying. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Not the Headless Horseman. I was scared that he'd come out on Halloween. So then we see Ichabod finally heading towards the covered bridge. He makes it across the covered bridge, and then he looks back. The Headless Horseman has a second chance uh-huh. and ends up throwing his pu- his former head at him. Flaming pumpkin head? Yeah. Yes. Which are the flames has been reused from Bambi. Really? I think that's what, yeah, that's what it's in the iBorks. Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't surprise me at all. Cool. Yeah, and some other horse coming at you animations. I figure it has has been recycled for like films like Sleeping Beauty. Okay. A lot of tense on horse scenes. Okay. Cool. So then, the morning comes, and all we see is the shattered pumpkin on the side of the road and Ichabod's hat. Don't worry, the horse made it back to the stable. The horse is fine. And who knows whatever <laughs> happened to Ichabod. Who knows what happened to Ichabod? Uh, I mean, you know, that is important, though. It said that, that was he, a cool he horse. kind of dranced yeah. to a spirit. There you go. Yeah, could be. I mean, so then, but you do see Brombrones and Katrina are married shortly thereafter. And I have to say that it looks like that was definitely Katrina's choice. Throwing it out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love how they have at the end, you know, we'll have our happy little moment. And, and, it's in the book too, but not like this, but in the book you some say Ichabod is still alive and found a wealthy widow and all the children look like Ichabod. <laughs> Which is totally a joke of, of breeding. <laughs> they all have that amazing big nose of Ichabod. They all have ugly children. Oh <laughs> Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> there you go. Especially if they're a wealthy widow and they cook well. But we, it drops off with the end, you know, that, but most knew that the spirit of the schoolmaster had been lifted away by the headless horseman and still haunts these parts to this very day. So, so is it true that Ichabod became a ghost? We don't know. <laughs> we have no idea. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm pretty sure in our adaptions, he comes back as, as, as a ghost. Maybe. They don't, we don't see Ichabod crying again. 
I've read the book and I reread the book just for this to kind of get a comparison between the two. And Mm -hmm. the movie and the book open up, they're very similar. But one difference where the book diverges is in the beginning is it really talks about the town, how it's been the center of many apparitions. So this is a town that believes in haunted, in things being haunted, ghosts, spirits, bad vibrations. They're very superstitious, um, haunted by many spirits and demons. But the and worst fun, is the ho- headless horseman. And fun fact, in Ebi works, they were gonna plan to, to show off like the the other spirit scenes in this uh-huh. in this short, like oh like, I see, giant yeah. bat, like over his bed, like Ichabod Crane's bed. And, and sketches of ghouls that, that kind of share ability to to Night of Bald Mountain. Oh, they do. Yeah. So very similar to the Night of Bald Mountain idea where you see lots of intermingling of spirits roaming and, the area. And they, they could have shown if the Hell's Horse gets defeated, he would wish away into a skeleton. Yeah. So the one idea was for it just to be a skeleton. But I I think, yeah, that, was, that could be a little tense for... Or a grade of children. Well, I I like that they showed like a real horse and a man because it gives it more depth and believability, and opens up the doors for was it Brom Bones that was chasing him? Because that's always one of those ideas that floats around. There was there was one nineteen 1930s I I think Mary Melody's cartoons that that showed off that. What the skeletons? No, Brom oh. Bones disguises Hell's Horseman. Oh, really? As if you're a 1940s too, and you're gonna at least stretch your abilities mm-hmm. and hide, duck your head easily. Right. Yeah. So in the book, it does mention that the Headless Horseman is um, the Hessian warrior that lost his head during the Revolutionary War battle. Where he can't. He got got dunked by a flying cannonball. Right. And uh, a Hessian was actually a German soldier for hire. And the British did have them. And during the Revolutionary War, they would hire soldiers to, to fill spots because they didn't have enough. And, and they, were, they weren't, they, and for hire, and, and they weren't really, uh, people didn't like them. They were very violent warriors let's say so um that you because of that and having such a violent spirit they would definitely pop up as very scary ghosts or apparitions and and the story was that he rode around the church because that is where he had been buried and he was still looking for his head like he didn't know where his head was so that was the concept he's looking for his head now what's interesting is brahm is actually short for abraham in the Dutch tra- tradition. So learning something new. <laughs> and what's also in, in the book, they mention um, the story Chante- Chanticleer um, as the rooster, which was actually a story that the Disney Corporation pursued for a while. And it kind of turned into Robin Hood uh, with with a rooster narrating. Like that Chanticleer never really got off i know this is one where when walt was alive and they just never came to fruition later on and kind of got um adapted into the robin hood story they used their animation there Uh, and the chanticleer actually comes from chaucer's canterbury tales he was like this very proud rooster that was crowing and there was no equal in all the land that's a brief description of what chanticleer means 
in in the movie, Katrina, they, you don't see that she has a mother, but in the book, they go into great details about her uh, mother and father. And um, her mother is actually a very hardworking woman who really maintained the household and had to do a lot of chores and a lot of things around around the house, even though they were well off. You know, her mom had her spinning wheel and her mom had her laundry that she did. So um, it's not of what we think of today where uh, you hire other people to do your chores. They, you know, still had to do their own chores. So I'm assuming Katrina, when she grew up, would also have to be doing these chores. But obviously with, with the limited amount of gender, genders, they, it's like they're going to always be, they're going to always be like two females with a lot of male characters. Oh, there's not a lot of, well, in the book or in the movie, there's not a lot of female characters. Well, both, both, both in the Igabon Mr. Toad story. There's like, oh. well, there's no females in Mr. Toad, but we get females in Ichabod. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot more females in, in Ichabod, for sure. So in the ending of um, Legend of Sleeping Hollows is just a tad difference. They say that one of the people from the Sleepy Hollow sees Ichabod Crane later on walking down the street and he is a lawyer. So he has gone back to school and become a lawyer and they see him walking down the streets in New York. So that's the only difference in the back. But most it's pretty true to the story. It's just tiny, tiny little differences, not a whole lot. Which is nice. And like I said, even in the songs, they were using the language that was in the book, like coquette, like little coquette Katrina, just means she's flirtatious. And one little kind of like short little bit is, uh, it's quoted as Frank Thomas, who's one of the nine old men. His favorite part is Ichabod slowly riding his horse through the woods, trying to whistle with dry mouth, but he can't. That was his favorite scene to, to animate, which I think is just so cute <laughs> but that's also really um part of the book too is talking about how Ichabod was such a big singer and he would sing to calm himself down so that was very much true to the, what was going on in the book also which I think is nice all right I have been talking way too much yeah. <laughs> and what was the d23 experience Oh, yeah. So um, if you want to have um, Eric Goldberg, who's one of the animators at Disney, and he still works there, and he does like a lot of um, little lectures and talks about Disney culture at this part. He worked a lot in the animation department during the 90s and the aughts and the teens. So he was, I think he was even, he was involved in a lot of those movies through all those years. He has a little bit that he talks about on D23. Uh, we'll do the little... Con, uh, the little connection to it in the blog and he's talking about the legend of the sleepy hollow and that's where i got the quote about how frank tom frank thomas's favorite scene in the forest when he's you know when he's psyching himself out for the night all right so i think it's time for you all to talk about it and give me your ratings of this movie all right fiona who's first you or ryan how, how about you guys okay ryan let's hear I really enjoy this film. Um, I, I've, I've liked it. Uh, I, I like the Wind in the Willows a little bit better than Ichabod Crane, mm -hmm. um, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Um, so, uh, but I do enjoy this every Halloween um, and sometimes just a random watching of it, you know? 
Um, I enjoy the music. I enjoy the animation and the styling and the color. So I think, you know, and it's always fun to watch something that's a little scary and reminds you of your childhood. I'd probably do this one mm, somewhere like three and a half, four Mickey ears. If I had to decide on one, probably, probably, probably four Mickey ears. Yeah. Cool. All right, Fiona, what do you think? Uh, yeah, for experience of me, me being a fan, a fan of this film. Yes, I missed the Mr. Toe experience, but but I guess I will, I I will give give this a free, though though I do the, the kicks in in in, in, in the song, songs. And, and, and a little a little bit of a skit, a scheduled plot 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 in the, in, in the process. But but yeah, as 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 a kid, I I guess I do have some moments when some parts feel a little little, little echoey and, and 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 gloomy for a moment. Okay. Yeah, but 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 yeah, the styling. Of, but yeah, it is. It, I guess it is set as one of the most cartoony, car, cartoon, cartoony anime animations that this year's done, where uh, everyone's a bit all all, all rough, rough sketch and, and bluff, buffy, buffy with Katrina being being more all, being more all real, realistic. I I think, I think it's sort of sort of a bit of a good tie with, with, with some with uh, some goof, goofy man features <laughs> yeah. he is goofy that's for sure and a few mom all right so this is like another one of those where it's hard to separate from uh, my childhood because it is so intertwined with mm-hmm. it so. uh, yeah and it's like we do we we do miss seeing those intertwined musical Halloween specials Right, right. Yeah, Disney and the... I, I really wish I could see some of those um, things they would splice together for Halloween that we, they would do for the Disney um, Sunday World of Color or what, whatever the apparently, title of it Apparently that's that a time. goner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I have to give it a four just because of the connection it has with my childhood for sure. And um, the the illustration and the the animation style of this is so much different than a lot of their other ones. Like you really see how they're, where Mary Blair is has influences and more of a storybook illustration with her colors. So it's kind of like fading in, like a lot of white in the backgrounds, you know, like a very washed with vibrant color coming in the middle so your edges are more white um storybook to me you know where start your the, the illustration doesn't fill the whole page like you have a lot of white around it it's kind of what i'm alluding to and so if you look at it you're like if i was watching it again i'm like well the illustration is kind of like not really intricate it's a much simpler uh katrina is is not a very deep thought out um animated individual it's hard to catch her personality right right there's there's yeah it's very simplistic to me representation that it might even be on purpose because i think ichabod is so intense with all his characterized features she's a nice like soft contrast Ichabod even like influences how you see Ichabod Crane and and how he is so 
um, contoured in his looks. And Brom Bones, you're definitely seeing a Gaston feel there, it, it, less than Gaston. He's even less thought out than Ichabod Crane. Definitely, he's the center of the idea of the movie and what you're supposed to be looking at. Um, and you, you see, as the movie goes on, the colors start to darken. So you have the very brights at the beginning, the very cheery, the overview of happiness. The, the very, the very dulls. The very dulls with, with, within the daylight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the brightness of the sun, like hitting the, the city and really shining on it. And then as you see it turn darker, and as the movie develops, you see the the animation develop too, in the darkness and yeah, the depth of it. And it's come like out. the mixtures of Ichabod's uh, like coat with like the dark greens, and but then and darkness, the blues. Right, absolutely. Because when you get to that forest scenes, there's so much bright coming out of the headless horseman with that flaming pumpkin it just is illuminated in in those scenes along with ichabod crane's face and his emotions and his feelings like you're you're never in doubt of he's, how he feels or how he's handling the situation he said as a real realistic human but but with some expression facial features right yes and so I love how they dive deeper and deeper into it. And then when you get across the details of that covered, uh, wooden covered bridge and you see him on the other side and you see that pumpkin coming at you and it just burst through the night. And the next scene you see is that return to the simple daylight with the crushed pumpkin in the hat and, and the kind of the, the subtle the colors have been subdued again and it's very serene once again in, in the town I so it's I, I love how they've they've put this together with that kind of thought process because at first when you you do see it again because I was kind of disappointed but then I thought about what they were trying to accomplish and I'm like oh yeah well look at that isn't that brilliant <laughs> I, I, I think I'll, also <laughs> with Igabod's coat as as his arms are like, are like, are like about free, free of PF, free feet up, 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 apart. His wrist is like free feet apart from his coat. Right, like he's not, he doesn't have enough money to buy well-made clothes. Like they're a little short on him, or a, a hand-me-down shirt, even. And so people are just aren't as lanky as he is. <laughs> All right, are we good for Ichabod? Yeah. See clear of the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> They'll get you every time. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on another episode of Diz Podopolis. I hope you enjoyed our wonderful conversation about Ichabod Crane and the influence of ha ha Halloween on our choice this month. Fiona, you want to say goodnight to everybody? Hey, hey, speaking of gay woman, votes for woman. Votes for woman. So before we got back, before, but in, during one of our little breaks, I was talking about how I um, did a lesson for the Girl Scout troop on the woman's right to vote and how we got there. So we were talking about that and so women uh women's right to vote and uh two days from now is the actual election day on november 3rd so it's very appropriate timing and 
and st stay in s school, my little pupils. <laughs> as, as the Girl Scouts were, were remaining. We're staying in school? Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's a good place to be. Yeah. Even though for the greatness of me having a, having a leading Halloween. Yeah. Well, Fiona's on a hybrid schedule right now. So she goes to school two to three days a week and is virtual two to three days a week. It switches. Oh, my Lord. Baker's looking at me. Quite <laughs> <laughs> the Beaker head. I like the sign. It looks like he's just stressed. Like, oh my lord! He's doing a little, like when they're all puzzled, they can't. Uh huh. They can't. They can't make their faces go all smushed. I yeah, I know Fiona's in there somewhere, but it's a little odd being stared down by Beaker. Me 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 me. All right, so you can reach Fiona at. Uh, Fiona Toad Girl on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, Fiona Hale Artist on uh, Facebook. All right, Ryan, you want to say goodnight to everybody out there? Well, goodnight to my Aunt Dolores and to my mom. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you tuning in and hope you had as much fun as we did. Um, you can reach me at Ryan Flint underscore edu. All right, and I'm Colleen, and I'd like to say goodnight to Aunt Lynette and my mom, and I hope you guys all had um, a great Halloween and stayed safe, and you can reach me on Tink Scout on Instagram and Twitter. I have one trip uh, I'll cut out from the closing. Okay. There's also one Disney connection to the Hell's Horse after the Hell's Horseman. There, there was a there was a baron involving the, the head. The Hellless Horseman's in um, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. This is a show movie. The band was called that? Yeah. The Headless Horseman? That's awesome. All right. And you can reach us at Dispodopolis at comments at Dispodopolis. And we're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Oh, and YouTube. Don't forget and YouTube. We need to level up YouTube, actually. It's very dull. <laughs> we need to um, increase our presence there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Beaker. We'll do that. But the but the phrase to the movie will be, "We'll go for Johnny Raid." <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm more I'm I'm more I'm more the goodbye influence with Toad than Ichabod. Yes, that's okay. That's okay. All right, everyone, have a great week out there and stay safe. And we'll see you real soon. Soon. Tadio. Now it's time for a trip around the park and a kiss goodnight.
Dispodopolis is a EFA Solutions production. All music and interviews remain the copyright of their respectful owners and are being used under the Creative Commons license law. All other content remains the copyright of EFA Solutions, LLC. This broadcast is not affiliated with Disney or any of the Disney properties, and the opinions expressed in this broadcast belong to the hosts and guests.